Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Jesus said, There's nothing, nothing more important than love. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You should love one another. The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we've been studying in this series, we recognize that the love of God, according to the teachings of Jesus and the ethic of the New Testament and the whole undergirding of the Hebrew Bible, the the love of God begins with the love of neighbor. You can't really truly fully love God unless you learn something about loving your neighbor. And you really can't love your neighbor until you yield yourself to the humble posture of seeking to understand your neighbor because she will think and feel and behave differently than you. Have you ever met anybody who doesn't look at life the way you look at life? Ever met anybody who might disagree with you or come at a thing from a different position in life? Well, the love of neighbor includes seeking to understand where that neighbor is in life. And even if you want to love your neighbor, you really can't fully love your neighbor until you recognize that you yourself may be the one most in need of understanding. The love of self is sometimes the most difficult because we have a hard time understanding ourselves and forgiving ourselves or even recognizing where we keep falling into the same trap again and again. So loving ourselves begins with somehow trying to understand how am I wired and why is it that I do and I view my life the way I do? So if we can learn something about ourselves, we can become better lovers of people. And if we can become better lovers of people, we can more fully become lovers of God. Now, that's why we're doing the series called Me, Myself, and Why. We're using sacred scripture through the lens of the Enneagram to discover some things about ourselves. This ancient tool that shows that we have about nine ways of seeing the world. About nine ways of viewing and doing life. And all nine of these ways on this graphic you'll see in just a moment, all nine of these ways are ways that are in all of us. And yet, we are able to recognize that in time, one of these begins to emerge as a dominant way for us to enter into life. And some of us, and I'm going to ask our confidence monitors to be on confidence monitor view so I can read what I'm about to read here in a minute. We realize that some of us feel our way through life. That puts us in the heart triad. And some of us are thinkers. We're in the head triad. We, we think our way through life. 
And others of us are in the doing triad, the, the body or gut triad. That means we, we take action to move and groove through life. And although all of us are capable of feeling and thinking and doing, the reality is one of those centers of intelligence becomes our primary way of doing it. Now, we come to a significant part of the series today because today we move from the last three weeks we've been studying the heart triad, twos, threes, and fours, and trying to understand the twos, threes, and fours who are in our lives better. And we move to the, the head triad. We move away from the heart into the head triad where we begin to think about how do we better love the fives, the sixes, and the sevens in life. Specifically, today we're talking about the fives. And as we begin, before I introduce, I'm going to have everybody in this room and the next so that we don't embarrass anyone to check if your watch or phone has an alarm on it. Let's just all check it right now to make sure it's not going off because somebody's is. And if we all check, we'll give them the cover and won't embarrass them. Okay. And if you want to get out by 1.30 today, you're going to want me to keep preaching. You want to go ahead and get on with the sermon. So everybody check. And if it's beeping, you, you can attend to it. Thank you uh, for caring uh, for each other that way. Now, the fives. You ready to rock on? Fives are the investigators. The investigators. They're also called the observers. Do you know anybody in your life who has a hunger for absorbing information? For accumulating and acquiring knowledge? Well, maybe all of us do at some level, but fives are those I'm hearing it again. Let's help our neighbor. There we go. Fives are they who have such a need for knowledge and information that it drives everything they do. They are driven by a kind of unexamined fear in life, and they control that fear by being able to take as much knowledge and information in as possible and then chopping up all that information in, in ways that can be understood and controlled. So perceiving the world in which they live in is most important to fives. They need to understand the world in which they live and all of its ambiguities in order to survive in it. Now, these are impressive people. They are brilliant. They are unparalleled with their capacity to gather knowledge and to retain it in their head. They, they store it in their minds. They're like walking Wikipedias. You, you would not imagine how much is going on behind the scenes all the time in the mind of a five. Some famous fives along the way. You, you may know Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is the founder of, the, of, of Facebook or, or maybe Bill Gates who founded um, Microsoft or also uh, the, the renowned phys, uh, f, uh, physicist um, Stephen Hawking. Thank you. Somebody got to turn that, that alarm off. Yeah, Stephen Hawking. And, who has passed now, but is arguably one of the smartest human beings who, have ever, who has ever lived. They have this capacity to gather, restore up, and retain information and in order to control the environment in which they live. But one of my favorite fives, one of my favorite all-time fives is this guy right here, Nathaniel Balance. You know, Nathaniel. Nathaniel's a JCBC member. He's on our staff as our rec director. Listen, this guy is is, is amazing. He's like a, a walking Wikipedia himself. Okay. 
Yeah, somebody help me out with that. Um, he's like a walking, Nathaniel, you're watching at home because you got a sick kid. I want you to do me a favor. Find out how to locate an alarm that's going off and text it to me real quick. So he is actually amazing. One day I'm at a baseball game and I text him. I say to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I'm here with some friends and I'm, I'm here with my family at this baseball game and we're in this debate about uh, when does the, the, the designated hitter rule apply in baseball if it's an interleague play? And within seconds he had this answer for me. About a month later, I was, I was at another game. I said, I, I said to him, hey, uh, Nathaniel, how do you determine, isn't it the winner of the all-star game that determines where the World Series is played? And he sent back, no, it's not. It's the one with the best record, though it used to be that way. He has this filing system in his head. Nathaniel is the guy that you want at your table on trivia night. Let's just put it that way. And Nathaniel is a very healthy five. But fives who are not healthy or fives who are unexamined in their journey are they who are so comfortable moving into the head space because they find comfort in retreating into their head where information can be known and controlled and measured. Sometimes the thing that is their super strength can be their kryptonite because they who end up moving into their head can sometimes be so comforted in their heads that they get stuck there making it hard to sometimes come out of the head and actually be present for relationships. Do you know anybody in your life, don't raise your hand and don't, don't, don't call out their names, but do you know anybody for whom you, you've been like, you know, why, what is their deal? I mean, why can't they just feel? One of the misunderstandings about fives is that they don't have feelings because they're in their head, which is not true. They feel as deeply as the rest of us yet find this space in retreating into the mind so comfortable that sometimes they can get stuck there. See, each of the Enneagram numbers have a particular um, deadly sin attributed to them. For fives, the deadly sin that's attributed to, to fives is avarice. Now, that's not a word we use often. So, kids, if, if that's a new word, I want you to write that down on your paper and, and spell it out there. We're going to leave it on the screen for just a minute because it means greed. It's an old way of talking about greed. But it's not greed in the sense of being stingy, like with your stuff or your money or your food. It's a different kind of greed. Fives can be greedy with information and with their energy. Greedy with their energy. They can so find comfort in retreating in their head where they can be sure of things. They're greedy of the energy they have to spend on anything or anyone outside of that realm. It's like a tank they have. And every day, a five will have this tank of energy, and that tank of energy will be depleted with every interaction. And it doesn't get replenished until the next day. And when it's out, I mean, it's just like flat out. Do you remember, I'm going to show my age a little bit now, but do you remember when TV used to go off? I don't mean like you turned it off. I'm talking testify, all right. I'm talking about like it's 12.30, 1 o'clock or whatever, and then the last show, and then it's the Blue Angels flying across the sky in the national anthem, right? And you, because the TV went flat off, and then it was like snow, right? Fives have an energy tank that, that when, it's, when it's out, it's out, so they can be stingy with their presence and their energy because they know there's a limited amount. 
It's not that they don't feel, and it's not that they don't have the capacity for relationship, but it is hard work to show up. Now, kids, if you didn't understand that last illustration about TVs, because TVs maybe just don't ever go off, right? Let me give you a better illustration. Here's one. You know you're playing Mario, and you hear that sound? You're playing Mario Brothers, and you hear that sound? When you hear that sound, you don't have any more lives left. Game over, right? So what I'm saying is there are some folks, fives in particular, who when the energy is out, game over, and they check out. Fives struggle because with the capacity to retreat in and to retain all the knowledge that they can, they have the, the capacity to only dole out parts of them to everyone they know, seldom actually giving all of themselves to any one person. It's hard work. Do you know that in the Bible there is a five, one of my favorite fives, in John chapter 3. Would you join me, please, in turning to John chapter 3, verse 1, and hear these words. His name is Nicodemus. We hear his story here. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? <laughs> can anyone enter again a second time into his mother's womb and be born? By the way, little, little, little um, information break here. Fives can be the most sarcastic in all the Enneagram. What, somebody be born again? What, am I supposed to enter my mother's womb again? <laughs> you know, that fives can be snarky with their wit. And Nicodemus shows us this here. And he says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I, I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. You, you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it has come from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? And I love this story. I love this, this person, Nicodemus, because he's a Pharisee, and typically we beat up on Pharisees in church because they're always at, at Jesus about something, and Jesus is always at the Pharisees about something. But Pharisees were unparalleled in their capacity to know and understand the law. They spent their lives preparing to understand and interpret the law, not just the Ten Commandments, not, not just more than 600 of the laws, but I'm talking about the Talmud and the Mishnah, these, these voluminous uh, commentaries about the law, <laughs> commentaries about commentaries about the law. And these Pharisees were exceptional with their capacity to gather, retain knowledge, and recite it upon command if needed. They with a quintessential five. And, and here is Nicodemus. And he comes to Jesus 
And, and his name itself even is a five-ish kind of name. His name, Nicodemus, means victorious of the people. See, to fives, victory is in the mastery of knowledge. Victorious of the people. His very name, Nicodemus, means I have mastered some information. And to master information is a win. We are made better because of the fives who have the capacity to master information. But here's the trouble with information. Suzanne Stabile said it this way when she was with us a few weeks ago. She said, information is not knowledge. And knowledge is not wisdom. Information is not knowledge. And knowledge is not wisdom. If you want to know what that means, then here's the illustration. Information is knowing what a tomato is. Knowledge, she says, is, is knowing that that tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is in knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Right? Nicodemus comes to him and says, I have some knowledge. He says to him, comes to him at night and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now, here's, here's an interesting fact for you. Interesting fact is that in Greek, there are a couple of words for the, the word knowledge or to know. One of them is gnosko. Gnosko means I know. I intimately know. I have a personal, intimate experience that has shown me how to know this thing. The other one is oida. And oida means something completely different. Oida means it's observed data or facts. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, he doesn't use the intimate word, I personally know, I have experienced, I have intimate awareness of this thing. He doesn't use gnosko, he uses oida, which is to say, we have observed the empirical data. We are aware of some of the, the facts. You see, there is a difference between knowing and knowing. There is a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. This is why Jesus says to him, this is why you must be born again, born from above. Born from above you must be born, he says. Because to truly learn something, it first requires an unlearning of something. To truly know something requires first the unknowing of some other things. And for Nicodemus and all fives and a lot of the rest of us, we don't like to unlearn in order to learn. We don't like that ambiguous space of unknowing in order to know. But you must be born. In a new, you, what is it that you must unlearn? in order for something new to be born in you. Nicodemus struggled because it's been said that you can miss the kingdom by about a foot and a half. A foot and a half is the distance between your head and your heart. And all the fives who just heard me said that are like, well, it's not really a foot and a half because it depends on the length of your neck, you know, and it's a little bit ambiguous, depends on your posture. So... But what I'm saying, you can miss the kingdom because of the distance between your head and your heart for fives. And for Nicodemus in particular, 
The longest and most difficult journey is the journey of moving from the head to the heart. Do you know somebody for whom you have not understood them because why are they not present? Why are they not giving themselves to me? Why are they not relational? Why don't they share their feelings? It may not be at all because they don't have feelings. It may not be at all because they don't love you. It may be because that journey to come out of the mind and into the presence with heart and body is hard work for fives. If you want to love them, it's hard work for you. But love is worth the work, beloved. And they don't come to this place of being oriented in the world like this overnight. We all carry around with us wounding messages, right? And in the Enneagram, each number has a particular kind of wounding message we carry. And for fives, the wounding message they carry around is, is this. It's not okay to be too comfortable in the world. Because in the mind of the five, it's like the world is a scary place. And early on, they learn, if I'm going to survive in this scary place, I'm going to retreat into a place where I have some semblance of control. And so if we carry around that wounding message, do you know what we get to do by loving them through Christ? We get to show them the healing message. And the healing message for fives is this. Your needs are not a problem. I know it's going to feel messy to be vulnerable and transparent, Nicodemus. I know you're coming here at night. At night, he came to Jesus. And I used to preach the daylights out of this, this passage. And I used to preach it about he wanted to keep a secret. He didn't want it to get out that he was asking. And all that's very true. But you know, in John, in Johannine literature, that's all the places in the New Testament that John or the community of John was responsible. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. In, in Johannine literature, when there's darkness or nighttime, <laughs> It symbolizes the absence of God. And here's this man with everything he could possibly accumulate over a lifetime of acquisition up here and walking in the midst of darkness still. And the invitation is your needs are not a problem, Nicodemus. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay and you are safe to to actually confess there are some things you don't know and cannot control. Now, let me stop there for just a moment. How many of you would say that you identify as someone who is kind of wired like Nicodemus, kind of wired like a five? Anybody in the, in the room? Okay, thank you for your uh, honesty, your courage. It takes courage to, to step outside of that place. Well, if you know somebody who you think is a five, raise your hand. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more. Well, can I introduce you to somebody who, who is a five and is just an absolute delight to know? Um, but I want to put a face on this conversation. Would you do me a, a favor and welcome Carolyn McPherson to the stage? All right, Carolyn. So Carolyn is a member of Johns Creek Baptist Church, a uh, member of our uh, 20s Sunday school class, uh, and a five, yeah? And it's super courageous standing or sitting here with me to, to be asked a few questions. I asked her because she came forward and actually identified as, yeah, I'm, I'm a five, made that a, known, and, 
And I asked her, would you mind answering just a few questions so, so that we know what it's like to be inside the mind of a five? So Carolyn, first of all, thank you for being here. Um, let me ask you the first question. What are you learning about yourself these days in terms of your own journey through the Enneagram, your walk with Christ? What are you learning about your fiveness? Yeah, so I think for being five and hearing initially what a five entails, it kind of made a lot of sense in my life in terms of what, um, when I get stressed or overwhelmed, of kind of that shutting down internally. Um, And so kind of recognizing the difference between needing space and having that space, but then also uh, the complete retreating of being able to differentiate between the two and kind of stop myself from doing that retreating. Um, So what is that... So what's that look like? Like would you, if you, let's say, because part of this journey is all about just staying awake to the thing that's in us, right? To, to stay awake to the pattern that we are prone to. But when you are not awake to it, when you're not aware, and you, you begin to retreat, what does that look like to people you work with, people in your family, people who know you? What's that begin to look like? Yeah, so uh, if I have something that's very stressful in my life, um, it's kind of a, retreating and pushing away other people um maybe not completely intentionally but distancing myself um till i can try and figure out what's happening um and kind of figure out internally without uh you know it's hard to vocalize what might be happening when i don't understand it first right right which is a which is a quite mature thing to do period right to process before we we act but it's a it's a quite a five thing to do to retreat in your mind, work this out a little bit, and then deliberately execute how you're going to re-enter the world, right? So how, how does that look when, when it's healthy, when it's right? In other words, um, what has to happen, what things have to be in place for you to, to remain that healthy, to remain in a place where you're able to, to stop, ask yourself what you're looking at, and then move, move out? What's, what has to be in place in your life for that to happen? Yeah, I think it helps having people that I can trust um, in my life um, and kind of ease back into those and knowing that I'm not going to get judged for anything or um, uh, kind of looked at in a different way. They understand who I am. Um, And so kind of being able to to broach that with some close people in my life um, helps me kind of deal with other people as well. And that's, that's hard work on their part too, right? And it requires much on their part. So what I am learning about the fives in my life is, especially if you're two, and we are boundaryless people, right? That fives need boundary. And, and so if you love a five, it's the learning how to let them d- define the boundaries and not push too much, right? Not move in when you're not ready and to allow you the safe space of coming out. The, the, Carolyn, it, it reminds me a little bit of how Parker Palmer talks about inviting the soul. The soul is like a wild animal in the woods. If you want to go see a wild animal, you can't, you can't just go marching into the woods making noise. Come out, come out wherever you are, right? He says, but you can sit quietly at the base of a tree for three or four hours, and in time, the animal may emerge. Friends of fives need to learn something about that, don't we? about how to sit quietly and allow you to emerge and you're more likely to do it more often, right? Can you tell me something that is a misinterpretation of fives? Tell me, tell me what is most misunderstood about fives. 
I think probably one of the most misunderstood things is if we're out with a group of people um, and we are quieter and not in the thick of things, it's not that we're not enjoying ourselves. Mm. Um, we enjoy ourselves immensely when we're able to observe and kind of do smaller interactions with people. Okay. Um, so it's, it's not a case of we don't want to be there. Okay. Um, Cause I think a lot of times if we are there, we are fully present mm. um, and, and we've kind of made that commitment to being there. Uh, so it's not a, not that we're waiting until we can check out the door, okay. um, that we have made that conscious decision to be there, but are more comfortable being more on the outside looking in as mm. opposed to being in the, the center of the activity. Okay. And that's not a lack of engagement. It's not a lack of interest, right? That's what I'm hearing. So tell me, how can we love fives better? Um, what do, you, what do fives need in order to, to receive love or to hear love? Yeah, so I think we need, um, like you were mentioning earlier, a little bit of space. Uh, we like to figure things out internally okay. um, beforehand and kind of get a, grap a grasp on what we are thinking, mm -hmm. uh, kind of checking does it make sense to what we're experiencing. Very logical, um, very right. rational. We, we like our pros and cons lists. Mm -hmm. um, we make decisions by them. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of giving us a chance to figure out what we're thinking and what makes sense with what we're thinking and what doesn't before we're able to really vocalize that to somebody else. Okay. Um, and then just, you know, like you were saying, being there. Yeah. Um, it takes a while. It took a while for me to, uh, when I joined the church uh, and um, going to our group uh, has lunch together, it took me several months before mm. I joined them for lunch. But it's are. not a case of uh, I don't want to. It's just that comfort level right. of, you know, you're putting yourself out there and into a different group of people. Um, and I, I think the, the, the strength that a church community can learn, Carolyn, from what you're saying is that measured sense of, it's got to make sense up here first before I fully engage. Some other numbers on the Enneagram can learn from that, can't we? Those, there are some numbers on the Enneagram, there are some types of us who hear a good idea or hear an, an idea, and I think that's the best idea I've ever heard. Let's go do it, right? And we could just blaze right in. Uh, and, and we need to be balanced in our community by those who are measured in their engagement and thoughtful in their engagement. All right, last question for you. Um, so I, I talked about that journey from the head to the heart, Nicodemus. Tell me what that looks like in, with you. What, what does that journey from moving out of the head into the heart or even into the body, the other parts of who you are, what's that look like to a, to a five or to you, to you? Right. So uh, listening to Suzanne Stabile's um, comments on this, uh, and it's uh, you don't realize it until she says it, but a lot of somebody might be asking what you're feeling, but my answer is more of I think mm -hmm. that okay. this is what I'm feeling. Um, so it's, it's, again, that we think first uh, before we know what we're feeling um, to kind of get it all organized and structured in our brain um, before our heart can make sense of it and okay. vocalize it. Okay. And that's hard work. It's hard work. In fact, while we're closing up, Bill, throw the, the graphic, the first graphic of the Enneagram back up before we, we close. Take a look at it for just a moment. If you look at all the points on the Enneagram, each of the numbers, each of the points, the point that is the greatest distance on the Enneagram is the point between number four and number five, isn't it? That's because it's a gap between the heart triad and the head triad. It's hard work. Those who are fives, 
need our respect in how hard it is to be living in a feeling culture and be required to move across that big chasm, that gaping space between the head and the heart. That's worthy of our effort to love and to understand too. So Carolyn, I want to thank you for the courage of just giving us a little peek into the the beautiful mystery that is that is inside you and inside uh, your sisters and brothers who are fives and who we want to love more more deeply. Would you join me in thanking Carolyn for being here with me? And each week as we close, the final thing that we do is we hear a song written by Sleeping at Last that is written, composed, the lyrics of which from the perspective of a five. So I ask that you open your minds uh, and your hearts uh, to hear Adam as he sings. I want to watch the universe expand I want to break it into pieces Small enough to understand And put it all back together again And in the quiet of my private collection It feels like an out-of-body Something gets lost from a safe distance. Now I can't put my mind to rest, and I can't help but second guess. Living behind this one way mirror, I'm hypnotized by this anomaly such strange and charted territory a white flag waves in the dark between my head and my heart my armor falls apart as if i could let myself be seen As if I was already brave enough to let go
is found in heartbeats, in deep breaths, and in the hope of open hands. Let's pray together. Good and loving God, we are so grateful to you for the time that we've been able to to share, to explore the mystery of the love that you're calling us to embody in this world. We confess to you that we know in part, we see in part, like, like, like looking through a glass dimly, but you see us whole. You see every part. And Lord, our deepest hope is that in the heartbeats that we share, in the deep breaths that we share, in the open hands that we share with each other, you would help us to learn to be loved and to love more freely so that we may actually take you up on your call of participating with you in the reconciling of this world. Lord, even now, at this time, somebody who is hearing my voice, somebody who is in this prayer is struggling because maybe for the very first time, someone has spoken, like Carolyn, truth about what it means to be alive and to be alive in you and and yet to be so misunderstood. And I pray this day, somebody here would step forward and say, I feel heard by Christ. I feel loved like Christ-loving Nicodemus. And I am here to give my life to the very same one who calls me out of my head and into his arms. We pray these things in the name of Christ, the Lord of life. Amen.